you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grand, masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we are now officially into week two of the NFL season. We thought we learned a whole bunch of stuff from week one. We'll talk about some of that a little bit later on in the show. Of course, we will have some of your starts and sits getting ready for week two. We'll also preview the Thursday night football game and a whole lot more. But before we dive into any of that, let's talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. So, Murph, I know the Giants took a loss in week one, but uh, I think if you're watching it from a fan's perspective, there had to be some things that, that you took out of it that were sort of encouraging. Your thoughts? Without a doubt. Um, you you got to look at – you're playing a defense that you could argue is the top defense in the league. I mean, just loaded at every level. Um you know, rookie head coach. You have Jason Garrett calling plays the first time since like 2012. So, yeah, there's a lot of things I did like. They had zero blocking from the center position, zero blocking from the right tackle position, and really just one awful interception in the red zone changed the whole outcome of the game. But if you told me before this game started we had a chance to win, I'd be pleased. Um, a lot different than the 2019 Giants. Like, that was an incompetent football team. This team looks like they're ready to uh, at least be competitive in, in most games on their schedule. Yeah, I know the two uh, New Jersey teams, I guess you want to call them, the two teams at the Meadowlands, they both took losses on Sunday or uh, over the weekend, but uh, one of them looked vastly better than the other. So uh, I think you are right. Eddie. Totally. I think there's reason, if you are a big blue fan, there's reason to be encouraged. So uh, I think a good takeaway from week one there. All right, let's turn our attention to the start of week two. I guess we'd have some aftermath from week one. Actually, before we do that, remind you that you can still sign up to play the official fantasy football game of the NFL. Just go to NFL.com slash fantasy, download the app. You can still do drafts. It is not too late if you want to jump in and play fantasy football with NFL.com this year. All right. Now we are joined by our normal Wednesday co-host. It is the one and only Adam Rank. And uh, look, man, the Bears got a win. Mitch Trubisky looks great. And all that talk about a quarterback competition can now just be pushed to the back burner, right? Miracle Mitch, extend him now, I think is what we're going to do. Can we still, though, there was a lot to unpack from our from our guy, Eddie, Eddie Murphy there. Uh, first of all, Eddie, listen, I shaved my head long, long ago. And I'm going to tell you the same thing that I tell LeBron James. It's okay to shave it. The hairpiece is unbecoming because I only can assume that was a hairpiece. And what is it with millennials or Gen Z kids who want to wear the sweatsh- the zip up, the full zip up sweatshirt with no shirt underneath it. What is the thing? Like every time I watch like The Bachelor or Big Brother, every millennial has got a zip-up sweatshirt with no shirt under it. And I got to tell you, what? when did this become a thing? I know I'm an old guy, but when did this become a thing? I mean, it sounds like jealousy is what it sounds like. That uh, I mean, you can do it too, right? You can, you I don't, can I don't, I don't have a shirt on either, but at least I have the <laughs> common decency to have a, you know, a hoodie on that comes up to my neck and I'm not sitting here, you know, rocking like Enzo on Big Brother All-Stars. 
that that reference just I, I missed that one. I completely totally missed that one. Uh, all right, let's look at uh, doing some fantasy news headlines here. There's some things that have happened uh, in the last few days that are certainly going to impact fantasy teams over the next week. The first one down in New Orleans, Michael Thomas suffered a high ankle sprain uh, in Sunday's win over the Buccaneers. Now the reports are he's expected to miss several weeks. We talked about this a little bit on Fantasy Live uh, on Tuesday. First off, does this make Emmanuel Sanders a must-start uh, with no Michael Thomas there? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they distribute the targets. One of the guys that I'm probably looking at the most, in addition to Emmanuel Sanders, is Jared Cook, who is already off to a pretty good, pretty decent start. So I expect him to be more involved in the offense. It's going to be even more annoying when Taysom Hill starts getting some run. And they still have, what is it, uh, Marquez Callaway and some other players. Traquan's there as well, I believe. And so... It'll be interesting the way they they distribute it because they lost the guy that had 150 receptions. <laughs> like you don't throw it. Like that's you don't use your other toy. Like what is going on? So I, I, I'm I'm curious to see how they adjust. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. I do love Emmanuel Sanders this week. I thought he showed last week that he's going to fit in very nicely in this offense. And they've got a great matchup against the Raiders, who, who you know, they, they got beat up a little bit by that Panthers passing game. And so I think that the Saints can certainly do that or more this week uh, against Las, I was gonna say I was going to say Oakland, Las Vegas. Um, oh, so don't uh, say Oakland. I know. I know. I have to put a, a quarter in the jar if I do that. So uh, I love Emmanuel Sanders. If you've got him on your roster, I think this is definitely the week to get him in. If for some weird reason he's still floating around on your waiver wire, uh, go pick him up because he's going to be worth an ad. I think those the rest of those targets there, they're going to kind of spread it around, and it's going to be hard, I think, to pinpoint who gets all that activity. It'll be curious to see how long Michael Thomas is out because we know – those high ankle sprains, they tend to linger. That's, uh, that is something to, to certainly keep an eye on because it could be a few weeks before we see him back in the lineup again. Yeah, it's certainly going to be one of the most annoying situations because, again, the Saints will be super creative and Latavius Murray will end up rushing for 120 yards. <laughs> revenge game for Latavius Murray. There's all sorts of revenge. There's all sorts of things going on there. Uh, no doubt. Uh, in New York, New Jersey, Florham Park, wherever you want to call it, uh, Le'Veon Bell, regardless, he is going to miss a couple of weeks. In fact, he's been put on injured reserve with a hamstring injury, which means he's got to sit out a minimum of three games. So if you've got Lev Bell on your roster, what's the next move? Why did you have him? Now, I want to shame everybody that <laughs> thought this was a good idea to take Le'Veon. But I told you, like, listen, I know that I get some things wrong. But I was spot on here where I said you don't want any part of Le'Veon Bell, number one, because he's been battling an injury. You got the Adam Gay situation as well. So obviously Frank Gore is going to come in and, and be the starter right now. They brought in Kalen Balage, And, you know, I, th th this must be the dream of ownership because for some reason you saw Adam Gase twice a year and then decided, like, yeah, we should really hire that guy. That's 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 what's been holding us back all these years is not having Adam Gase. And it drives me crazy. And I'm not going to go through the normal Adam Gase joke that I do, but it's awful. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've probably heard it. And if you started it, I would know the punchline. Before oh, you, you know what? Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it then. Here's the <laughs> thing about Adam Gase that I don't understand is his claim to fame – is that he helped get the best seasons out of Peyton Manning and Jay Cutler. So this is what he did. He got the best seasons out of one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history 
and Peyton and Manning. Peyton Manning. So yeah. what, is, <laughs> what is this? I, you made me do it. You forced me into it. Listen, I come out. Listen, I'm going to go do a show at Common Space Brewery through Zoom in October, and uh, I'm going to have to pull out all the hits. And so I'm sorry, Marcus. I come onto your show. I'm going to do the hits because the fans demand it. You think Neil Dutton? That. Neil Dutton would have been upset had I not done that. Mama Dina, she would be all over us if I didn't do that joke. I mean, seriously, I mean, when you when you go see Leonard Skinner, they got to play Freebird. I mean, that's just the way it is. Those are the rules there. So uh, I understand that. By the way, anybody in the L.A. area, Common Space Brewery, you should go check it out. I'm not getting sponsored for that, but uh, they're beers. It's very good. I am. You right I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, over to Pittsburgh. James Conner left the Monday night game against the Giants with an ankle injury. I know Mike Tomlin has said, what is the quote? We're leaving the light on, which apparently he's running a Motel 6. I have no idea. Um, Don't say the brand name, Marcus. Oh, my bad. A uh, familiar chain of low-cost road <laughs> motels. Uh, so if, if James Conner can't go this week for the Steelers, Benny Snell looks like he's going to step in. Would you be interested in putting Snell in your lineup if, if there's no Conner? Absolutely. I, it's pretty fun when you're going through late on a Tuesday evening trying to do your waiver claims, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to pick up Benny Snell. And you're like, oh, wait, he's already on my roster. How about that? I felt pretty good about myself. See, now, James Conner was a risk I was willing to take, given the the, the draft price, because he's on a good offense that with a, with a coach who's proven and a quarterback who's proven. So I, I felt willing to take that risk. And I'll wear that one. Like, yeah, I, I, I was willing to give James Conner what the price was. So I just made sure that Benny Snell was somebody that I had on my roster because what we saw – on Monday night, when again, the Giants are still trying to find their way defensively. They've got a first-year coordinator. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I thought that Snell looked pretty good. And so if you have him and he's going to be the starting running back, I don't hate the matchup this week against the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, there were only three running backs that, that reached 100 yards rushing this week, and Benny Snell was one of them. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and uh, Derrick Henry Clyde were the other two. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's how we have to say it now all year long, by the way. Thank you, Patrick yeah. Claibon. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Benny Snell is one of the three guys who had 100 rushing yards, which sort of begs the question, right? I mean, I know they like James Conner, and they know they have really tried to you know, promote him as the number one running back, but the injuries keep happening. I mean, is there a chance that maybe Benny Snell ends up taking this gig over at some point during the year if, if Conner can't stay healthy? Yeah, I really do believe at some point they're going to have a, a, a committee at the best-case scenario. I don't believe that we're going to be in a position where – James Conner is going to carry the ball 25 times a game. And that was, you know, kind of the risk coming into this thing. But that's that's a lot of running back situations. Austin Eckler's in a timeshare. Like, there's a handful of guys, which is why they go at the top of the drafts, who have their own backfield to themselves. So I really do – I look at the offense. I don't mind being in a committee situation as long as the team is good. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the Steelers are probably going to score some points. I'm okay with it. I know that James Conner, I didn't draft him as my RB1, but I think it's going to be a situation you're going to have to deal with all year, and I think we kind of expected it a little bit. Yeah, and I think I think you made the important point. It's okay to have a committee running back in a good offense. The Steelers are going to be in situations, I think, well, they will be able to run the football a lot in the second half, so that means Benny Snell should get some opportunities, or James Conner, whoever it is, uh, they're still going to be in the game script as opposed to getting a committee back in a bad offense where they may get game scripted out at some point uh, during the season. George Kittle, he has got a knee sprain right now. He's uncertain for week two against the New York Jetropolitans. I know Kyle Shanahan has said they're going to wait and see what happens in practice before they assess this any further. 
But the big story with the Niners this offseason has been injuries, especially among their pass catchers. They've lost a number of wide receivers. They're hoping Debo Samuel comes back really soon. Now they're looking at maybe not having George Kittle this week. How do they split targets if George Kittle can't play for them? Yeah, he was their number one pass catcher. And I know that this is one that's kind of devastating because the 49ers, as you mentioned, already had a deficit at the wide receiver position. They brought in Mohamed Sanu. We saw what happened with him in New England last year. It didn't quite work out, but Sanu has the familiarity, and that's a word that we throw around a lot. But Kyle Shanahan's bringing in a player that he's familiar with, and so he's probably going to come in and get some chances right off the start. So we certainly need George Kittle back in our lives. It's been terrible for the tight end position because George Kittle was a player that I always advocated for him and Travis Kelsey. I think it was a great – you should draft them at the top of drafts. I don't think you should do that. And the guy I was waiting on, if I missed out on them, was Blake Jarwin, who's now done for the rest of the season. So it's a it, – it already here in week two, it's a dire situation <laughs> for two of the – two tight ends – I was very high on coming into this season. Yeah, my late round tight ends have been hit or miss. I mean, Mike Gesicki was not great in week one. You mentioned Blake Jarwin. He got hurt. I will say John U. Smith caught a touchdown. So that's sort of uh, yeah, made me feel okay. a, that made me feel a little bit better about it. But yeah, we need George Kittle back in our lives because I always say the tight we always say the tight end position is deep in August, and then we get to October and it thins out enormously. If we lose Kittle, then it's gonna thin out in a hurry uh, at the top of the Why? stack there. May I say something? And this is fantasy related, so I'm not just putting out a filibuster or anything like that. Number one, Logan Thomas out-targeted Jeremy Sprinkle and looked really good in week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't mm. believe that there's a team that's given up more touchdowns to tight ends than the Arizona Cardinals over the last couple of years. So I think that could be a pretty good option for you this week. And I listen, I'm just going to tell you this. Ignore the hat I was wearing. Jimmy Graham... <laughs> was heavily involved. No, he was heavily involved in the Bears game plan and legitimately could have had a pair of touchdowns last week. I don't know how long that's going to – and by the way, he could have. it could have been even better. There were two key plays where he mistimed his jump that had he made the catch, one of them would have extended a drive and then who knows what would have happened. He might have actually gotten in the end zone in that one. And then there was another one I think it was near the end zone. So – he is heavily involved in an offense, and I know everybody wanted to make their jokes. But the Bears had 55 tight ends in on their camp, but he is somebody that Mitch Trubisky is looking for. And again, with the dire circumstances of all these t tight ends who are having injuries, he's somebody to look out for. You talk about those late night Tuesday waiver wire scrolls. I found myself in more than one league looking at Jimmy Graham's name and wondering if I should click the ad button. I absolutely do did. Do I absolutely did. And if he's <laughs> out there uh, in another day or two and I'm still looking for tight end help, I may just have to go on and smad button for Jimmy Graham. That's that's the world we live in right now. Um, yeah, I was, I'm was. i scooping him up. Like, that's the one. Because I missed out on John U. Smith and a lot of them or Noah Fan or somebody like that. Yeah. And so I'm having to go in and look at Logan Thomas or Jimmy Graham. This is where we are. Uh, speaking of tight ends, David Njoku is on injured reserve. He's got a knee injury. They hope that he'll be able to go in three weeks. They went out and got Austin Hooper in the offseason, and I thought that was going to be a weird fit for Hooper just because he was going to have to compete there. But now that we know there's no Njoku for at least three weeks, what does this do, do you think, uh, to Austin Hooper's opportunities? 
Yeah, that was wild when he threw that ball to David Njoku and you're like, yeah, that's that's about right. That's what we figured. But I thought that we were kind of apprehensive about Austin Hooper. And Marcus, I think this goes back to the shows that we were doing in August. And we even talked about this situation where Austin Hooper is probably going to make the Browns a better football team. But you can't expect him to go out there and have the kind of production that he had with the Atlanta Falcons. And even if he is the number one guy, what is he, the fourth best option? In the passing attack, I would obviously have OBJ above him, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, and then you get to Austin Hooper. So for me, even given the dire circumstances of what's going on with the tight end position, I'm not sure I'm ready to uh, take a risk on Austin Hooper just yet. He's the fourth option in a passing game that looked brutal on Sunday, too. And and look, and maybe they get better. Look, it was week one. They were facing a very good defense in the Baltimore Ravens. So there's certainly a story to tell yourself that the Browns will get better throwing the football. But, man, I mean, we talk about having running back committees and a bad offense. To have the fourth passing option uh, in a bad passing game, that's that's pretty awful, too. So. You're right. Not I'm ideal. Staying away. Not ideal. Probably staying away from Austin Hooper as well. Uh, we will talk some more Thursday night football coming up a little bit later on in the show. It is Bengals and Browns, number one pick versus number one pick, AJ versus OBJ. I think I've read that promo like five times this week, and it's starting <laughs> to stick in my head a little bit. So uh, stay tuned for more of that uh, as we get through the show a little bit more. All right, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. My palms are sweaty just thinking about it. All right, you're never going to get better at fantasy fantasy football if you don't learn from what happened the week before. So we're going to talk about some of the things that we may or may not have learned after the full slate of week one games. And the first one for me is easy. All offseason long, you saw the hashtag let Russ cook. We have been asking the Seahawks to unleash him and they did. He had four touchdown passes, looked fantastic in their win over the Falcons. So why should we believe that this is a new trend? Will this continue all year long with Russell Wilson? Well, typically what happens is the Seahawks play a close game and then in the fourth quarter, they need Russell Wilson to come out and win it for him. But I think what you're seeing with this current Seahawks defense is that it's probably not great, which means that Russell Wilson's going to have to start saving them earlier in the second half of football games. And we're going to see him throwing the ball a little bit more because the Legion of Boom, it's kind of like when you go see a band and then you're sitting there and you're watching it and you're like, oh, They've got one original member here. And I know you're thinking of Blink-182, but I was thinking of like older bands. But still, you look at, I, I think that Russ is going to have to throw. And I, I, I'm i excited. I've got a couple shares of Russell Wilson. I got DK Metcalf all over the place. So this is a situation that is looking very promising for us fantasy-wise, which yeah, no, I guess I'm, goes without saying. I didn't need to throw in like, you know, <laughs> fantasy-wise, like, of course, this is a fantasy show. I mean, for all these people who are like, why are they talking so much fantasy on this show here? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I drafted Russell Wilson in a whole lot of spots. So that's certainly exciting for me. I tried to stack him with either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. The other part that was encouraging was that they threw the ball to Chris Carson. I mean, it was sort of weird that Carson only had six carries, but he had a bunch of catches. So uh, I can get down with that. So hopefully this is a thing that happens. And by the way, when you said uh, we were talking about that band analogy, I was actually thinking of the time. I went to go see Tony, 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 and they replaced Rafael Sadiq with his cousin as the lead singer. And the whole time we're watching, we're like, he sort of looks like him and sort of sounds like him, but I don't think that's him. 
Uh, so yeah. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. There should be a rule that if you replace the lead singer, then you have to, it's a different band. Like it's, it's, it's the, the, the singer is the band, you know, like if, uh, like if you went to go see Tom, we'll use the Blink-182 analogy. And by the way, Travis is not the original drummer. So if you guys are going to be like, dude, there's two of them. No, no, no. Scott Rayner's the original drummer. Shut up. I used to see them in the Palladium when I was a kid or when I was their age, whatever. The thing is, is like, if you, whatever, Tom DeLonge can play Blink-182 songs. I'd go see it. Whatever. I'm done. You can move on to the next thing. I'm sorry. Oh, I was I was going to throw in an aside about how, you know, you're going to send Journey a strongly worded letter because they uh, they have changed their story. Yeah, exactly. That's that's perfect. Yes, that's yeah. exactly the one. I mean, unless the guy sounds exactly like the guy he's replacing. Which, which, which then that's sort of okay. happened. Which sort of happened. It, uh, we'll do a case-by-case -case <laughs> system there. Uh, all right. So speaking of systems, uh, the Rams backfield. I mean, we have sort of been kind of poking at this thing for a while, and – uh, everybody who sort of threw their lots in with Cam Akers and or Daryl Henderson were surprised to see Malcolm Brown get all this run. So what do we make of this situation after one week? Well, it's so crazy because the Rams threw all this draft capital over the last couple of years for Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. And they're like, oh, we'll just take the uh, free agent we picked up off the uh, off the wire there. It's like Sean McVay is a zero RB guy come to life himself where he's like hey look at me like I'm just gonna go like I don't even need to draft a running back and so the one thing that we were waiting for to see shake out was who was going to be the goal line back and we thought that that would be split up a little bit but Malcolm Brown led the team in snaps he led the team in, in targets for running backs and he looks like he's going to be a fixture and again this is one of those situations where there's a couple of leagues where I was like, I got to go pick up Malcolm Brown. Oh, wait, I have Malcolm Brown. Actually, James Coe and I were in the League of Leagues. It's a 14-team league. Malcolm Brown started for us in week one. So sorry, Pat Mayo, when you're looking on the waiver wire, we not only have them, we started them. I am still impressed that League of Leagues is still uh, still functioning. I mean, you, talk, you want to talk about a band that doesn't have any original members left in it, right? I feel like you and Stop Co might it. be like one of the – you guys might be the few uh, original members left we in re this thing. We rejoined the band. We're like Pat Smear and the uh, Foo Fighters. We came <laughs> back to the band. And, no, Toby – Toby's the guy who runs it. Like, Toby's the chief. Like, he's yes. always been the guy who ran the whole Tony, – Tony, Toby uh, – Toby. And uh, – yeah, so there's one original guy. Brad Evans is still there. Pat right. Mayo is still there. So there's some that is okay. All right. I, I take it back then. My apologies to uh, you League of Leaguers out there, which is just an insane. <laughs> By the way, just for people who don't know, to quick explain, League of Leagues, as you mentioned, a 14-team league <laughs> where you draft all three of the major sports at once. It is football, basketball, baseball. You draft them all at one time. You can draft them in any order. Uh, and then you just play it out over. Is it, it's still a two-year cycle, correct? For League of Leagues. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's a it's a one-year cycle, but there's keepers mixed in. James Coe and I gave everybody the strategy on how to win this: is you draft your NBA players first because football you cannot draft a team and still end up being eight and five, which is all we need because <laughs> our basketball team's so good. Uh, you guys are all insane. That's why I tapped out after the first cycle. Uh, <laughs> um, did we underestimate? We talked about Adam Gase and and you know our feelings on him when it comes to fantasy. Did we underestimate Robbie Anderson getting away from Adam Gase and what that could mean to his potential? Because we saw all the expats last year who got away from Gase and suddenly balled out. Robbie Anderson balls out in week one. I feel like maybe we should have taken that into account when we talked about him in Carolina this year. 
Yeah, apparently we did miss that one. We did like it. I mean, it wasn't like we were, you know, besmirching Robbie Anderson, but you forget that the Adam Gase revenge body is actually a thing. And anybody, I, I'm, what I'm looking forward to the most is that the Jets will end up with the number one overall pick. And I know I should talk about Robbie Anderson because you're rolling a video. Fine. Okay, fine. Go pick up Robbie Anderson. You probably need a receiver. This is somebody that you could be added right now if you have Michael Thomas. If you have some other concerns about your team, if your receivers didn't come through, if you took a Texans receiver who wasn't Will Fuller and you're like, gosh, who should I go after? Robbie Anderson looked pretty good. And obviously it was to the detriment a little bit of DJ Moore, who I expected to have a, a much bigger impact, especially in week one. And I'm worried about his matchup in week two. So Robbie Anderson could have that kind of that, that sidekick season where you're playing opposite a really good receiver and you go out there and you have a good year. But what I was going to say, though, before that B-roll took me <laughs> off my train of thought is that San- – like, watch – like, this is the thing that I'm hoping for, is that the Jets are the worst team in football, and they get the number one pick, and they can take Trevor Lawrence, and then that means they got to get rid of Sam Darnold, and they send him to Chicago. And my guy, the Triton from San Clemente, comes to Chicago, has the Adam Gase revenge body, becomes one of the best quarterbacks in the league – and it could not work out better for rank. I mean, okay, so how about this? I'll take it even a step further, right? Uh, they let go of Sam Darnold. He goes to Chicago. The Bears go out and sign Juju Smith-Schuster to pair with Allen Robinson, who they extend. And suddenly, you've got the makings of a really dangerous passing game there in, in Chicago. Who says no? Who says no? I certainly <laughs> don't. Um, all right. Speaking of passing games, Dallas Goddard went out and smashed in week one. Over 100 yards, had a touchdown, eight catches for the Eagles. I was sort of worried about Zach Ertz and that I thought Goddard was going to take food off of his plate. So how much stock do you put into what we saw from Goddard in week one? Is this kind of a trend that can continue? Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, it's become a tradition in Philadelphia, much like the Philly cheesesteak, is that there's going to be injuries to the wide receiver position and there's going to be no wide out that you can trust week to week. And I think at some point, Doug Peterson is a smart person who's going to be like, dude, we're running 12 personnel the whole year because my two best, my two best pass catchers are Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And of course, if you had an opportunity to go pick up Dallas Goddard off the waiver wire this week, congratulations. I think that this trend is going to continue. And by the way, kudos to Marcus Grant, who made fun of me during the preseason, because I was still in, I think Zach Ertz wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but you were like, you were the guy who swung in over the top, was like, oh, you bought that tight end at Nordstrom. I went to the rack and got Dallas Goddard, and I'm going to be better off. And now I'm sitting here looking the fool. I mean, look, man, same, same, same product, just you know, cheaper price. Like I, that's all I'm saying. That's all. I, so uh, I do think. <laughs> look, I think Zach Ertz is still going to have his games, but I think Goddard is going to to pop in there and and you know have some weeks, sort of like he did in week one. I also think what helped Goddard especially is. You know, they are still having injuries with their wide receivers there in Philadelphia. And so that makes it easier for defenses to focus on taking Zach Ertz out of the equation. And I think that's a lot of what Washington did. So that meant that, hey, Carson Wentz is going to go to the guy that's open. That was Dallas Goddard. So now there's sort of, I guess, a two-headed tight end attack there in Philadelphia. 
I look, we talked in the first segment about maybe tie it in, thinning out a little bit. Maybe we were wrong. Maybe Dallas Goddard steps in there in place of some of these guys. You know, maybe he, he steps in where Blake Jarwin now leaves a vacancy because of the injury. So I'm here for it, man. I'm, I'm here for as many tight ends as we can get to be you know, useful in fantasy football. So if Goddard jumps in and is added to the list, I'm totally fine with that. Got no problems. Um, speaking of Washington, they went out and their defense balled on Sunday. They had eight sacks against Carson Wentz. They forced a bunch of turnovers. They made life miserable. They got a surprise win to start the season. I mean, they are in first place in the NFC East. That is amazing. So what should we think about this defense? I mean, we came into the season kind of picking on them. Do we have to rethink that now? Well, I think that one of the things that we were talking about coming into this year was the amount of former first round picks they have in the front seven. It, it is quite a collection. And Jack Del Rio being there in his first year. And I think this is one of the reasons why he came out of the broadcast booth was that he looked at those guys. Jack Del Rio had a pretty nice life of just sitting on, you know, and I don't know, he might have been working for us. And you look at Chase Young and what a difference maker he can be. He looks like a generational talent. And you put him in there with another bunch of first-round picks, and you saw they had eight sacks. And the person I feel the worst for right now is James Bradbury, who was being courted by the Washington FT along with the New York Giants, where he eventually signed. You have to be sitting there watching this and being like, dude, if I would have just signed with Washington, <laughs> that could be like one of the best defenses in the league to the point that they would probably be in contention of the NFC East if he would have signed there. So it's interesting, but I still think it's a good line. Eight sacks is not something to ignore. I know they got Kyler Murray this week. They're probably not going to go out and get eight sacks. Kyler Murray was sacked twice by a similar defensive front with San Francisco. And I'm saying San Francisco is better, but I think if they can kind of split that difference and get between three or four sacks, I think it might be a nice little sneaky start this week to go with the Washington FT DST. Yeah, no, uh, the F we're calling the FTD uh, in the break, which made me just think of Merlin Olson and his uh, floral <laughs> delivery commercials uh, back in the eighties. Uh, look, it's a it's a defense, you know, with Jack Del Rio coordinating with Ron Rivera as the head coach, and so you know maybe we shouldn't be surprised that they are so good, especially when you factor in the talent. By the way. Sneaky defensive stream of this week would be the Rams, just because I have questions about that Philadelphia offensive line. We saw what happened last week. Now they got to deal with Aaron Donald and company. So if if you're looking for a defense to pick up this week, the Rams would be near the top of my list. Uh, if you're looking to fill that position, so um, yeah, I think that's I think that's going to be interesting though in Washington. Maybe we don't pick on them the way we picked on them in years past. Just uh, something to be aware of. The first of Official football game of the year. I mean, I know we had one on Thursday night last week, but this is actually TNF. That was like season kickoff or something grandiose. It was Sunday night football on Thursday. Yeah, that's that's exactly what that was. So this is actually Thursday night football. It is the Bengals and the Browns, uh, the two Ohio teams going up against each other with a pair of number one drafted overall Heisman winning quarterbacks. We will talk about them in a moment. But I wanted to start actually with Tyler Boyd, who – a lot of people thought, okay, maybe he is the number one wide receiver there after A.J. Green basically took a sabbatical because of an injury last year. Things did not work out great for Tyler Boyd in week one, and we saw a lot of A.J. Green. Should we be worried about Boyd as the WR1 in Cincinnati? No, I wouldn't be. I, I really do believe the Chargers have one of the best defensive secondaries, even without Derwin James. And I think their cornerbacks are top-notch. So that, that, was a, that was a tough matchup, and that's just one of those things where – that happens to your receivers. I He is the wide receiver one, 
of the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't believe that a lot of people were drafting him as their number one in, in fantasy. And if they were, if you went with, I don't know, five running backs to start your draft, well, then that's what you get. And they usually deserve that. But I think where you're playing him, he's a low-end wide receiver two anyways. He's a wide receiver three, maybe a flex guy. That's fine. I mean, it's those are going to happen. And you know that when you go up and you, you you look at that matchup against the Chargers, you probably shouldn't have been playing them anyways. So I think we're cool. I think we're fine. Chill out, everybody. Yeah, uh, I, I would sort of agree with that as well. Uh, I just was sort of surprised. And maybe this was them working A.J. Green back in. Maybe this was sort of his welcome back because uh, we saw a lot of work for him. And I was dubious about taking him at his draft price, which is like sixth, seventh round in a lot of places. I mean, I don't know. I'm sort of weird. I, I just want my wide receivers to go out and be running and practicing with the team. And we didn't see that from A.J. Green, but uh, he looked okay in week one. But I do think bigger things are coming for Tyler Boyd. So I'm, I'm with you on the not panicking about it just yet. But things don't happen on Thursday night. I'm going to change my tune completely uh, this time next yeah. week. Blow it up. <laughs> um so Joe Burrow versus Baker Mayfield, that is one of the marquee matchups in this game on Thursday night. Uh, at this point, I mean, we've only seen one professional game for Joe Burrow. We've seen Baker Mayfield for a couple of years. But who would you rather have on your fantasy squad, Burrow or Baker? Yeah, I'm already smitten with Joe Burrow. I mean, I do have on the aforementioned team that I have with James Coe, we do have Baker Mayfield as our quarterback, and I'm giving him one one last shot against the Cincinnati Bengals to see how this is going to work out because we loved everything about Baker coming into this season, playing with Kevin Stefanski because the one thing that Stefanski really focuses on is the play action. But that play right there, what was that throw? Yeah. Like, look at – like, if you could rewind it, you don't have to. But, like, he's flat-footed. Just thought, like, you're, what are you doing? You look like a, a statue sitting there throwing that ball that way. That, if I see more of that, that's a better throw right there. You know, that's a that's a throw right there. Where did it go? He followed through. He looked pretty good. So I really do believe that maybe more so than the statistics, we got to start looking at Baker's fundamentals and, and see if the throws that he's making are repeatable or if he's making mistakes of getting caught flat-footed. And it's tough to give up on these quarterbacks so quickly when they're so young because they're rushed into the league a lot more than they were years ago. But you got to start seeing some progression. And the one thing we saw out of Joe Burrow is that he looked like an NFL quarterback. And even though his team didn't win, what we saw out of him was pretty encouraging. Yeah, it was very encouraging. Uh, you actually called that he was going to score a rushing touchdown, which he did. Uh, so kudos to you on that one. Uh, yeah, I think what we saw from Baker last year was a guy who got panicked because he had a lot of pressure in his face. He would immediately roll out and look for help. And you wonder, I'm not going to go with these. Okay, I will. I'll go with the seeing ghosts analogy from last year. Like maybe oh, you boy. wonder if whether or not he started to get some flashbacks about that and just getting a little bit worried in the pocket and sort of forgetting those fundamentals and forgetting those mechanics. Hopefully Kevin Stefanski can kind of draw up something a little bit better this week. They are having, they're facing a defense that's not quite as ferocious as Baltimore. I think they get the play action more involved and just do things to sort of take some of that pressure out of Baker's face a little bit and give him time to get the football downfield. But because of all the things you said about Baker, what does he have to do to restore your faith in him? Wait, by the way, wasn't the seeing ghost guy Sam Darnold? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Sorry. Sorry, I listen. It's either me, <laughs> me who loves you, 
telling you this right now or it's some twerp on Twitter. And by the way, I had a day yesterday. Like my mute button almost got broken. (laughs) Anybody who brought in Allen Robinson slander, but that's a story for another day. I think what we, again, what we want to see out of Baker is progression and that he's starting to get this offense, that the play action is working correctly. If Baker goes out there and has a game like, let's say like Jared Goff had, in week one where it was disappointing that he didn't get a touchdown pass, but he threw for 275 yards and you look at Jared Goff's disappointing game and you're like, well, that hurt me fantasy wise, but he was moving that offense against a defense that's respectable enough to be like, okay, this is, this is repeatable. And at some point the touchdowns will eventually arrive and that's going to be fine. What I can't see out of Baker is a game where you're like, what is this guy doing? I don't want to have any moment during this Thursday night game where I'm wondering what Baker is doing on the football field. If it's a situation where it's like, ah, you know, Nick Chubb scored three rushing touchdowns, I'll live with it. But if it's just baffling, if his decisions are poor, then I'm out. Yeah, I think I think it speaks volumes, though, that we've gone from Baker, you know, early last year, we were talking about him maybe being a top five fantasy quarterback to now we're like, Hey, man, just don't screw this up too badly. And that's all we're asking for out of you. I mean, it it has been a long fall in a short period of time for Baker Mayfield. So that sort of extends to his pass catchers, namely Odell Beckham Jr., 10 targets, three catches. What do you say to anybody who is panicking about OBJ right now? Well, it's on the quarterback. I, I really do believe that Odell Beckham Jr. is a good teammate. He's a good player. He's out there. He's hustling. You see him blocking He does all the things on the field that you would want to see as a coach or anything like that. It just now is an incumbent on his quarterback to get him the football. And the whole basis of this offense, the reason we were going to be encouraged was that the play action was going to set up opportunities for OBJ. Now, maybe this week against the Bengals, they'll be able to run the ball a little bit more. I know the Chargers ran the ball 20 times with Austin Eckler. He rushed for, what, 84 yards. If you can get that kind of production, from Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt this week, that should open things up. So really, if the quarterback can play a little bit better, then I can feel a little bit better about my wide receiver. I feel better. I feel good about him as a football player. I think he's very good. But now it's on. It's incumbent on Baker to get that to get that done. Yeah, I, I think I think that is the key. I I'm not willing to give up yet on on Odell Beckham Jr. But again, sort of like Tyler Boyd, if things don't really come together uh, after Thursday night then maybe I'm just putting them out there on the trade block and seeing what I can get for, uh, for OBJ on, on the backside because there's only so long I'm willing to kind of wait on this, especially in the context of a fantasy season. You go down 0-2, uh, it's, it's sort of hard to come back. So they need to get something together very, very quickly. Uh, hopefully that starts on Thursday night. Speaking of Thursday night, Thursday earlier in the day, you should be sure to check out our new show, Fantasy Bites. It is starring our own Adam Rank, along with Kimmy Checks and Michael F. Florio. Each week, the trio reveals their favorite fantasy nuggets to give you the edge over your opponents. Be sure to watch Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern, in the NFL Fantasy app, NFL.com, and YouTube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football. This is a good show. I saw the first one. I mean, it's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more with you three out there. Thank you. Yeah, if if Michael F. Florio is not over as one of the top fantasy analysts in the business by the time this season season ends, I will have considered it a personal failure on my part because that guy is fantastic. Kimmy Checks is our I I feel superstar already. 
She's come in fantasy live her first season. She's been crushing it. So if you get an opportunity to check out the show, it's pretty good. Two thirds of it is amazing. And then you got me, but two thirds of it is solid and you should check it out. I mean, look, the reason I have Kimmy Checks on Monday and Michael F. Florio on Friday on this show is because I'm trying to ride their coattails to something bigger and better because uh, those two are both stars in the making. So be sure to check out uh, our Friday edition. Be sure to check out Fantasy Bites as well on Thursday. All right. Time for Secure Starts presented by Visa for Peace of Mind Online. Visa's got you covered. We are ready to go with our week two starts and sits. Of course, you can see all of Adam Rank's stardom sit picks on NFL.com slash fantasy. Actually, go to NFL.com slash rank. I'm pretty sure they're all there too. You can go check them out there. Uh, the quarterback spot. Cam Newton came back into our lives in a big way. And uh, you like the matchup this week, huh, against the Seahawks? Yeah, I really do. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of people were, I don't, for whatever reason, surprised that Cam Newton is back and ready to go and, and everything. But he was a good quarterback as recently as 2018. So it shouldn't be that much of a surprise. And I think that Josh McDaniels wanted to bring some of these RPO concepts, something that he had done way back when he brought Tim Tebow into the league, and now he's getting to do it with a better version in Cam Newton. Now, he didn't throw for a lot of yards last week, 155, but that's because the strength of the Dolphins' defense is in its cornerbacks. They signed Byron Jones in the offseason. They have Zayvon Howard. So it was obvious the Patriots were going to run the football, and of course their goal back is Cam Newton. He got a pair of scores. And Keel Harry should have had another touchdown, but still it was a solid game from, from Cam Newton. And he's going up against the Seahawks who gave up a lot of passing yards to the Falcons. So now we'll get to see if he can throw the football. I believe that he can. Uh, other quarterback pick you like, uh, Dak Prescott, who you know, was pretty good in week one and, and he's got a pretty good matchup on tap this week as well. Yeah, what we're really seeing from Dak is that they're going to love to throw the football this year. And I think that as much as they threw it last season with Jason Garrett when when Dak was the quarterback too. Mike McCarthy is taking it to another level. And I think that he got a lot out of Ezekiel Elliott as a receiver out of the backfield. So I really like the way that this team is constructed. And I think that, Marcus, I know you were very positive about Dak Prescott coming into the year. And now we're starting to see it. So to me, if you drafted Dak, there is no reason to ever consider going in another direction. And I continue to believe that this week against the Falcons – a team that Russell Wilson just tore up, but he's going to have a monster game. Yeah, uh, you know, Dak is one of those guys you can set it and forget it. I mean, he was the QB2 last year, uh, and he looks like he's going to pick up where he left off from last season. All right, running back spot. Everything moves up one notch because of the Marlon Mack injury. We thought Jonathan Taylor was set to have a big year anyway. His role is going to get even bigger now, ranked that uh, he looks like he is the RB1 in it. Yeah, and it really was. Once you started watching these games, we didn't have the benefit of preseason this year, so we didn't get an opportunity to see how Jonathan Taylor would look on a football field in the NFL. But it's clear to me that this was inevitable. Like, the injury to Marlon Mack was definitely unfortunate. But Jonathan Taylor being the starter was inevitable. He just He's on a different level. It's just the difference between if you're playing Madden against the computer – or if you're playing against your buddy who knows what he's doing. And that's that's what Jonathan Taylor brings. And I know a lot of you probably spent a lot of fab on Naheem Hines this week. And he'll be fine. He'll have a role in that offense. But Jonathan Taylor's already catching the ball six for six on its targets last week. So he is definitely, for the rest of the year, a secure start. Yeah, that's the thing. People were wondering whether or not Jonathan Taylor can catch the football. And he showed, at least in week 
one, that's not going to be a problem for him. Speaking of catching the football, I was surprised that Austin Eckler had just one target last week, and I know a lot of people were suddenly off the Austin Eckler bandwagon, but you are staying the course in week two. Yeah, I'm sorry that I have to roll in here and tell people that the running back that they drafted at the end of the first round, perhaps the early second round, is still a secure start. But here we are. This is what we're doing. Now, Austin Eckler carried the ball 19 times against the Cincinnati Bengals. What more do you want? You want your running back to carry the ball close to 20 times. And if the Chargers have that kind of faith in him, then you should feel pretty good about it. Now, obviously, you want him to be targeted in the passing attack. That'll happen. You want him to get into the end zone. That will happen. But what you need to focus on is the usage. Touchdowns are volatile. Are volatile. Receptions shouldn't be as much, but still, you can't count on that. But I think that if you have a floor of 19 rushes, 20 touches every week, you should feel pretty good about starting Austin Eckler. That was the big thing for me. He was on the field, I think, about 70 75% of the snaps. The opportunities are going to be there. Joshua Kelly will have his role. He's going to get in the end zone, I think, a few times this year. But Austin Eckler is still going to be the guy in that offense for the Chargers this year. All right, wide receiver. Allen Robinson, I know he's having his disagreements right now with the Bears front office, but uh, that's aside. On the field, the guy is still putting up numbers every week. Absolutely. And I went out on Twitter on Tuesday and I said, Allen Robinson is a top five wide receiver and he deserves his money. I hope the Bears pay him immediately. To which a lot of people are like, oh, who's better? Like, oh, what, what about Michael Thomas? What about Julio? What about DeAndre Hopkins? I'm like, oh, that's interesting. All three of those guys play for Hall of Fame level quarterbacks. <laughs> Allen Robinson has played for Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, and his college quarterback was Christian Hackenberg. So you cannot just you cannot besmirch the talent of Allen Robinson. And he's got a great matchup this week against the New York Giants. We saw them give up three touchdowns despite the addition of James Bradbury during the offseason. Allen Robinson's a great start, as is uh, Tony Miller. Yeah, I was gonna say I like Anthony Miller too as a as a sneaky flex play if you if you've got the spot for him. Uh all right. Our Cooper Cup, you got him here. Is this is this do you believe or is this you sort of trying to speak something great into existence? No, I know you hate Cooper Cup. And that's I don't fine. hate Cooper Cup. No, you do. Like, you literally hate him. But he's he has become this touchdown-dependent player. And I, I'm mad at myself for, number one, I got auto-picked Cooper Cup in a couple of spots where I would have taken Bobby Woods ahead of him. And there were some teams where I'm like, well, I should try to diversify a little bit because I have too many shares of Robert Woods just in case. But what we saw out of Cooper Cup in week one was what we saw out of him at the end of last season, where if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's not going to get you a lot of fantasy points. The good news is the Philadelphia Eagles allowed 21 touchdowns to wide receivers last season. That was one of the worst in the NFL. They kept the Washington FT out of the end zone receiver wise in week one. But I mean, this is Cooper Cup and Jared Goff. This isn't Dwayne Haskins. So I'm giving them the, the volatility option here. And this might be it for Cooper Cup, because if he doesn't come through this week, there's going to be a Rams wide receiver who is going to be on my bench probably for the rest of the year. Wow. At the, man, Cooper Cup was... It's harsh, but... It yeah. is harsh. It, you know, sometimes you just got to gotta teach them a lesson and uh, you'll see if they come around because of that. Uh, tight ends, we talked a lot about them today. We've got a revenge game on tap. Jared Cook going up against his old club. Uh, and now no Michael Thomas. Things seem to be opening up for him. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that Drew Brees is going to do. If you're not throwing a slant pass to Michael Thomas, you're going to be throwing a short pass to Jared Cook. And I think that where he's really going to make an impact is near the goal line. And anytime they get near that end zone, Jared Cook is going to be their most targeted receiver. So I feel very comfortable starting him this week against the Raiders. And on the flip side, Jonu Smith, uh, who I liked as a sleeper this year, got in the end zone. Uh, a guy who should have a good year in Tennessee. Yeah, he looks like a really reliable receiver. We saw a lot more passing from Tennessee on Monday night than we were probably anticipating. And we saw a lot of we saw a lot of Johnny Smith, especially near the goal. I think two tight ends caught touchdowns for the for the Tennessee Titans. We saw a lot of Corey Davis, who I don't know. I, I think it was Matthew Berry who described him as this year's Devontae Parker, possibly. <laughs> and then not enough AJ Brown. And you're like, oh, this is weird. Like, you know, a lot of people were we're sort of into A.J. Brown, but I think John U. Smith is going to be very – he's going to be a very reliable option for you week in and week out. You know, it's funny. I did I did not see that Matthew Berry tweet, but I did have that same thought as I was watching that game that, hey, maybe you know, last year Devontae Parker finally broke out. Maybe this is the Corey Davis year. Who knows? Which is going to really uh, burn a lot of people who invested in A.J. Brown in their fantasy oh drafts if this is the Corey so Davis much. year. Man, too, too uh, much. Yes, not not going to be fun. All right. That was Secure Starts presented by Visa. All right. In the interest of fair time, we talked about the starts. We got to talk about some sits. Uh, Matthew Stafford, who was OK in week one against the Bears. You are out on him in week two. huh? Well, he should have had four additional points. So that that but I don't care about that. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, listen, I saw Jordan Howard make the same drop against the Falcons in week one a couple of years ago. I have no sympathy for the Lions. I have empathy as a human being, but as a Bears fan, I don't care. I don't like the matchup against the Packers. I think their defense is pretty decent, and I don't think that Matthew Stafford is going to go out there and be able to do a lot of a lot of things. I, I The one thing that troubled me about the Lions coming into the season is that you can go Google the phrase, Matt Patricia is bringing the Patriot way to the Lions. There's an article from 2018. There's an article from 2019, and there's an article from this season. I don't think that Matt Patricia knows <laughs> – like, I just don't think he's an NFL coach. And I think, you know, you fired a guy who was going nine and seven, getting 10 wins every year, and you didn't think that was good enough. So you wanted to swing for the fest with, with Matt Patricia. It's not working out. Every time you mention Matt Patricia, I sit up a little bit straighter and make sure my posture is okay because I don't want to be oh, scolded geez. for slouching at all. Uh, Drew Locke, uh, I'm still waiting to see whether or not he is the quarterback of the future in Denver. You know that he is not your quarterback in week two. Well, yeah, definitely. And you know what? It's, it was Pat McAfee who, speaking of Matthew Stafford, was making that comparison. And I'm like, oh, that, that's pretty good. I, I hadn't thought of that before. And I'm like, okay, I, I kind of dig that. And I kind of like the way Drew Locke was conducting himself on the field. I liked his post-game press conference and his presence, the way he was kind of uplifting his team. And I was, I was really impressed by him. Wasn't impressed with Jerry Judy dropping that pass. And really, he's got such a tough matchup this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though Danny Dimes was able to move the ball on them a little bit. But until he gets a full complement of receivers with him, and I'm talking most notably about Cortland Sutton, I really can't trust him. So if Cortland Sutton returns and is ready to go, I'd feel a little bit better. But I think against the Steelers, I think it's wise just to find some other options. Yeah, I think this week I, I wouldn't mess around with that Steelers uh, Steelers defense if I got anybody in the, the Broncos. Maybe Melvin Gordon, uh, you know, keep an eye on Philip Lindsay and see what his situation is. So maybe Gordon gets some run, but anybody else I'm kind of staying away from in Denver. Uh, speaking of running backs, Frank Gore is going to live forever. He's got a revenge game against the team that first brought him into the NFL, but you don't like him this week, huh? 
Well, I, there's a lot of those things, Marcus. Yes, there's a lot of, hey, you know, there's the revenge game factor and Frank Gore going for 200 yards in this game would be peak 2020. But if I'm just analyzing this as a football analyst, I should look at the 49ers defense and realize that, you know, a team coming off a tough loss like this, they're going to shut down the run. And I think that they're going to be committed. They know they need to shut down the run and force Sam Darnold to try to beat them. I know they do have some injuries on the defensive side of the ball as well, but I really do think that this is this is going to be a game where, again, you're going to just want to avoid Frank Gore. Sorry. Yeah, I, I also I also think the Niners are going to be a little bit angry. They they felt like that one got away. They played sloppy against the Cardinals, and that's probably not going to bode well for the Jets. Uh, Chris Carson, I know you weren't big on him last week. Uh, is this you sort of like trying to? This is like Carson's revenge here that you're telling to sit people sit, to sit him this week. Well, here's the thing is I, I think that we had Chris Carson is the RB 13 last week in our NFL.com fantasy ranking. So it's not like we were crushing the guy. But when I saw that Boston Scott was available, I'm like, well, I know that Boston Scott's going to probably play the full game. Obviously, he was injured. But Chris Carson, I was apprehensive about him because I didn't know how much they were going to use him. And I was right in the fact that he got six carries. So my my aversion to him for that reason was spot on. What I didn't realize is that they were going to throw him the ball six times and he was going to turn two of those into touchdowns. And again, this goes back to the volatility of scoring touchdowns. And I know that a lot of people love to overreact and you're like, well, this guy scored two touchdowns. I got to play him. I'm like, no, you got to look at the usage. <laughs> like, obviously, he scored more points than Austin Eckler. And if you're going to be that person who's like, oh, thanks for telling me. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to tell you that. If you go into a week, and you tell me, like, okay, this guy's going to touch the ball 20 times. This guy's going to carry the ball six times. Which guy do you want to start? And, yep, sometimes it's not going to work out. And you know what? You're sitting there at the blackjack table. You got a 19. I'm telling you not to do it. You hit it. You got a two. Congratulations. You won. <laughs> but you know what? Over the course of your lifetime, playing that way is not going to work out for you. Touchdowns are fickle beasts. I say it all the time, but uh, they landed on the side of Chris Carson in week one. Uh, a couple of sits at wide receivers. You talked about the Jets going against the 49ers. Jamison Crowder seems like a pretty easy sit call this week. It, it is, but I think a lot of people will look at, number one, how how well he did last week and be like, look how many points he scored. I should probably go up and, you know, DeAndre Hopkins kind of feasted on the Cardinals, but Jamison Crowder does all his work from the slot and DeAndre Hopkins did most of his work lined up on the left side. So the 49ers have actually been pretty good over the last couple of years, shutting down the slot receiver. So I don't want to really get into that business. And of course, Jamison Crowder had that huge pop play, a 69-yard touchdown, which was the majority of his points. So I understand that you're, you're looking, when you're looking on the waiver wire and you're like, wow, look how many points Jamison Crowder had. A little closer inspection shows that it's it's not quite the performance that you thought it was. Although he was targeted 13 times, he just caught seven of them, which is you want to see a little bit of a higher return on that as well. So I just think that this Jamison Crowder is good to have on your football team, but I don't think you want to put him on your starting line or put him in your starting lineup this week. Uh, I'm just going to go out and say this. Uh, Jamison Crowder is not DeAndre Hopkins. Just, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm just putting that out there. Uh, for, for anybody to, to take that. I guess I could have, yeah, I guess I could have summed it up. <laughs> uh, so you talked about wearing out the mute button on Twitter recently. I would think that it's going to get some heavy usage because you've got Tyreek Hill as a sit this week. 
Well, I mean, if you base this on previous fantasy points, then yes. And I don't want to say that any team has the number of Patrick Mahomes, but the Chargers have done a really nice job against Patrick Mahomes over the last couple of years. And one of the reasons that it stems from, or one of the one of the carryover effects, is that Tyreek Hill does not perform well against the Los Angeles Chargers. As a matter of fact, I don't think he's topped 11 fantasy points in his last three games. There are other guys, like Miko Hardman could be somebody who sneaks in there and gets a touchdown, or perhaps it's a Travis Kelsey game. Perhaps it's Clyde Edwards. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. And I know if – if you're a person who just wants to instantly react and be like, oh, this guy's a clown, like, obviously, if you have a fantasy football team that starts three receivers or has a flex, Tyreek Hill is probably going to be in your lineup. I understand he's got that ability. But let's say you're constructing a daily fantasy team and the amount of capital you're going to have to put into a player like Tyreek Hill, I'm just telling you there's other options. If you want to be big mad, don't be mad at me. Be mad at the Chargers. Be mad at Andy Reid, who's not getting them ball, getting them the ball in those games. Don't get. I'm just giving you the facts, and people, you can decide to do with it whatever you want. People reacting hastily on social media—that never happens. I, I don't can know. You what believe you're talking that. About. <laughs> and by the way, it also like and people like that is the one thing that like, people are like, oh, like Tyree Kill is a better receiver than Allen Robinson, and I'm like, look, listen, Tyree Kill is exciting, mm-hmm. and he's faster than Allen Robinson. Why don't you watch some tape for it? Watch some contested catches and tell me that Tyreek Hill is better than Allen Robinson. Like, I got to put that out there right now. And by the way, I know there's also people who are coming out and be like, Adam Thielen's better. Like, stop. 30-year-old Adam Thielen's <laughs> got stop. Now you you've, you you get a block for that. I'm not mute. You're getting an instant block. And another one that I got, too, was like Juju. And I love Juju. I'm a big Juju guy. You're a big Juju guy. Mm-hmm. We saw what happens to Juju if his quarterback is not a Hall of Famer, like we saw it, right? Like we all witnessed what happened. Like that's Mitch Trubisky. That's people are insane. Insane. You feel better now? Yeah, I feel great. Actually, all right, cool. Uh, let's do our tight end since real quick. Uh, got Chris Herndon. At this point, you might as well just go hashtag Never Jets at least for week two, right? Yeah, fair enough. All yeah. right, all right. Never cool. Jets. Who else? We also had Gronk in there too. My favorite. My favorite former 24-7 champion from the WWE. Why? And it's interesting because watching Gronk play football now is kind of like when Raw has these reunion shows and they bring out a dude who hasn't wrestled in 20 years and you're watching and you're like, dude, don't go to the top rope. Like, please don't do what I think you're going to do. I feel the same way watching Gronk. I'm like, bro, like, let's go back to your other careers. Like, I love you. I want you to be healthy and safe. And Jordan and OJ Howard can catch those touchdowns. Why don't why don't why don't we do something else? You're yeah, too man. fun of a you're you're a precious a precious resource for us. Like I want you back on TV, and I want you healthy, and I want you doing well. Just go live your best life, man. I mean, he's wrestling. Yeah, he's on the mass singer, you were having I mean, so much fun. Yeah, I'm sure Dancing with the Stars is probably going to be in his future at some point. Oh my gosh, uh, let's let it happen. Let's just let it happen. Go do that. Let's let it happen. By the way, if you want to check out the rest of Adam Rank's starts and sits, go to NFL.com. Uh, what slash rank? Uh, go to nfl.com slash start sit. There are many, many ways. I'm sure it'll appear on Twitter as well. So you can go find it and you can rage uh, and he can mute you. 
uh, if that's what you choose to do here in week two. It's one thing to go out and get your waiver wire claim to get the guy that you were targeting off the wire, but now you got the decision of, okay, so do I put this guy in my lineup? So uh, I got some wiretaps here, guys that you might've got off the waiver wire, some guys who were gonna be popular this week and whether or not you should put them in your lineup. So let's start with Naheem Hines. Uh, he was a guy that certainly a lot of people were going after after the injury to Marlon Mack. He's got the Vikings uh, ranked. Would you start Naheem Hines maybe in the flex spot this week? I would believe that you are, mostly because the matchup against the Minnesota Vikings is pretty good. You know, we were talking about bands all throughout the show, and the Vikings are like that band that you, you know, probably had to pay top dollar to see back in 1999, and now they're playing at the OC Fair for free, and nobody cares. They're just walking past like, ah, didn't you guys used to be Smash Mouth or whatever it is? And so I think that now – and it, if it's not starting this week, eventually you're going to have to start looking at Vikings defense and being like, oh, these are must-start guys against them. So I would get Naheem Hines in there. That's like the time I saw Hoobastank at a barbecue and beer festival <laughs> in Chandler, Arizona. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm starting Naheem Hines this week. I just think the pass-catching prowess is, is something that's hard to pass up. Uh, chances are you lost a running back or you have somebody who disappointed you and, and the chance of him getting another eight to ten targets is, is a little bit too tempting for me. So I would start Hines. Uh, Malcolm Brown, we talked about him and I know that you uh, have him in a number of spots. He's got the Eagles this week. This feels like another guy that you, if you got him, you're putting him in your lineup in week two. Yeah, I really do believe so. I don't believe the Eagles were giving up a lot of overall yards and whatnot to the to the, to the to the rushing attack, but we saw last week, you know, Peyton Barber fell into the end zone twice for a pair of scores. I think he averaged 1.7 yards per carry, which I guess was an improvement on what Saquon Barkley was doing. <laughs> but I do believe that the usage makes it so that Malcolm Brown is somebody that you're going to start this week. And again, I'm hoping that they're going to start leveling out and getting some throwing touchdowns mixed in there. But again, the usage just lends itself to, to Malcolm Brown being your starter. I would also say that with Washington last week, they fell behind big. It was like 17-0 in the blink of an eye. And so they had to throw the football. And I'm sure that changed their game script. I don't think the Rams are going to fall behind any by a significant margin this week. So maybe they can run the football a little bit more. Uh, Last one, we talked about Robbie Anderson a couple of times in this show. He's got the Buccaneers, but it looks like he's going to be a big part of that uh, Carolina passing game. So if you got Robbie Anderson, do you plug him in this week? You know, actually, the the matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is, is pretty tough. I mean, even going back to last year, and this was something that we talked about on NFL Fantasy Live last season, was the Buccaneers have not allowed a quarterback to throw for more than 300 passing yards since, I believe, Week 11 of last season. It's significant. It's It's been a long time. They really started to shut teams down, and, and we really started to see the results of the defense that Todd Bowles was putting in there. So I don't believe that this is going to be a great start for anybody. I'm even apprehensive about starting DJ Moore, but because I put so much draft capital in him, I'm probably going to have to end up starting him here or there. So Robbie Anderson, I do believe, is going to be a useful piece for you moving forward. I'm just not sure it's going to happen this week. I do see a situation where maybe you lost Michael Thomas for a few weeks and you're, you're needing somebody to fill that spot, so maybe you start Robbie Anderson. I still hold to the belief that this Buccaneers defense isn't bad. They were put in bad situations last year by Jameis Winston. They got put in some bad situations last week between Tom Brady and some special teams mistakes, and so that hurt them. But you know, on its own, in a vacuum, this is not a terrible defense, uh, and they did a good job 
uh, I think, for the most part, shutting down or slowing down the, the Saints passing game. So I'm sort of with you there, but I do understand a scenario where you might have to start uh, Robbie Anderson this week. And I get it. No judgment. No ju- this is a judgment-free zone here on this show. Yeah, this for sure. So, all right, there you go. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, if you shouldn't eat at night, why is there a light in the fridge? Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.